things in, uh, in my past I'm not necessarily proud of. It is just part of my past is um, I used to follow around me and some friends in the summertime. We would dra- travel Midwest and we would, I would follow around the Jimmy Buffett and the Coral Reefer Band. Anybody, f- are you familiar with this at all? And uh, man, we had the get up, you know, the Hawaiian shirt and the grass skirt, all, all, the, whole, the whole thing, the whole thing. We were just, you know, the lays around our neck. I mean, we used to follow around, man. You know, if he was around the area, we would get some tickets and go and, and travel around. And they were called parrot heads. As if you know this about Jimmy Buffett, they were called parrot heads. Parrothead was a, actually started as more of a derogatory term towards uh, those that were followers of Jimmy Buffett. It was a derogatory term, uh, parrothead. And, and so it was just one of those things that, you know, they were called parrotheads. And so the parrotheads, we, I guess I should lump myself in there, we just adopted that. We're like, cool, all right, I'm a parrothead. Same for, you know, same for the Grateful Dead. What were they called? Deadheads, deadhead, you heathens. And... Uh, <laughs> No, they were, they were referred to as dead. Same thing. They were, it was a derogatory term that they just like, cool, all right, I don't care. I'm a, I'm a deadhead, you know. And there's, you know, there's all, all these other different terms, you know, like meathead, you know, something that works out a lot. It's called a meathead, you know. You know and and a, a geek, you know, maybe you're a tech geek, you know, that you're on, you know, you like to fix computers and things like that. Anybody a tech geek in here? Anybody at all? Uh, okay, all right, good. All right, no, nobody wants to admit it. Nobody wants to, you <laughs> You're, you're still ashamed. You're still ashamed. But you don't need to be ashamed. Like, there's now vans that say Geek Squad. Why are you ashamed? Like, people are like, well, I guess I'm just going to own it. I'm a, uh, you know, so I'll work at Best Buy. Is that what it is? Best Buy? I'll work at Best Buy. I'll be on the, the Geek Squad because that's, that's what I am, you know. And, and some of these things you own, you know. I mean, these were, these were terms that were coined to certain people. And uh, they were probably derogatory. Some of them are still derogatory terms and, you know, insult, insults. And um, did you know that that's how the term Christian started? The term Christian was a insult. It was a uh, derogatory term. As a matter of fact, in, in the Bible, there's only three times that the word Christian is mentioned. Only three times. And it's always referred to um, them. It's never something that they call themselves. It was always something that, that, that is, was referred to them. And the reason why it was referred to them in all three times in Scripture was because it was an insult. It was a derogatory term. It was like calling them a parrot head or a deadhead or a meathead or a geek or, or, a, or a, I don't know, a redneck. And it was even worse than that. It was even more insulting than that. We're, you know, we're in church, so I can't really you know, explain to you what it was like, but it was, it was even more insulting than that. They were referred to, they were talked about as Christians. When they weren't referred to as Christians as, as an insult, when they weren't being insulting, almost like cussing at them, they were referred to as the way. The way. You can look at in the scripture, you can look at different scripture verses that describe um, them as the way. As a matter of fact, Saul, um, before, you know, while he was persecuting the church, he w- referred to them as the way, this way, that way. The reason why is because there was a way about them. 
There was a way that was different. There was a way that was unique. There was a way about them that, you know, was, was, was separated then from the way the other people acted and, and how other people responded. There was a, a way in which they handled their relationships. There was a way in which they handled their marriages. There was a way in which they dealt with kids. There was a way in which they handled employees. There was a way in which, you know, if they were a boss, there was a way in which they ran their business, ran their company. There was just a way about them that was different. And if, if somebody was going to refer to them in, in a non-derogatory way, they would call them the way. There was a way about them. Christian is such a broad term, don't you think? Such a broad term. I want to show you some things. And people who call themselves Christians believe this. So people in the world that call themselves Christians believe these things. Let me give you a list of them. That the earth was created near the planet of Kalab, which is God's home planet, which is supposedly at the center of the galaxy. The earth was created near Kalab over 6,000 years, which is six days in Kalab time, and then moved to its present position in our solar system. People who call themselves Christians believe that. Then let me give you a few more. Certain people are or can be reincarnations of biblical figures, such as Jesus and the Virgin Mary. People that call themselves Christians believe that. That God started off as a man and then became God and therefore we can become God. And not only that, but we have our own planet. People that call themselves Christians believe that. Michael the archangel is synonymous with Jesus. Jesus and Satan are brothers. Jesus had a divine mother. Sins need to be taken to a holy man like myself. The holy man takes the sins to God. People that call themselves Christians believe it is possible to reach perfection on earth through a life of austerity and spiritualism. They commune directly with God and do not need the church. People that call themselves Christians. Smoking cannabis is a spiritual act often accompanied by Bible study. You guys okay? So come to my Bible study on Monday night, everybody. We have a great time. Lots of snacks. Bad joke, bad joke. People that believe, people that call themselves Christians, they have these certain beliefs. You ever think that when you grew up that your brand, your brand of Christianity was the true brand? You ever think that your brand, the brand that you grew up in, so I grew up in, a, in the brand of Christianity called Baptist. And the reason why we thought we were the true brand is because, man, we had church on Wednesday nights. We had church on Sunday mornings. But we also said, we're having church on Sunday nights too. The, everybody, the Methodist doors were closed. The Presbyterians' lights were turned off. You know, we can go, you can go. But we were like, we thought we were the true brand. You know, but you know the biggest reason why we thought we were the true brand as Baptists? Because we had Billy Graham. He was our guy. Just, a, just a, you know, growing up or you know, experiencing different brands, Christian brands. You know, I went to a, a college and uh, went to. A, it was a, associated or affiliated with uh, the denomination or the brand of Church of Christ, and they, they, they like had the audacity to name their brand 
the church of Christ, like the church, like they didn't, they made no bones about it. Our brand is the true brand. The reason why is because they're like, hey, you know, uh, we don't believe in instruments. We think the instruments are ungodly. And so they're like, they don't have, you know, any instruments. They've sort of changed their views on that. It was a, a sort of kind of hypocritical, which every brand is hypocritical in their own way. Their church wouldn't, wouldn't have instruments. It would be all acapella. But at the college that I went to, they would have Bible studies with bands, with musicians and with instruments. And they were okay with that because it wasn't at the church. Does that make sense? And so these are the, what people have described as true. I remember being on the softball field or hearing this joke. I don't know if it was a joke. Maybe some of you old timers remember this joke. But I remember being on the softball field and we were playing. We were the Baptist team and we were playing the Nazarene team. And I remember some guy saying, well, John was a Baptist, but Jesus was a Nazarene. I don't know if that's an old joke or not, but I remember he thought it was hilarious and I was like, I don't get it. Like, and so... I, I just, all of us grow up in these brands and we think that we're the true brand. Certain, you know, certain people think that, you know, you say this magic prayer and, and you're saved forever. Certain brands of Christianity say that you, there's certain sins that remove you, that push you out of your salvation. Certain brands of Christianity say that there's certain spiritual gifts that complete your salvation. Certain brands of, you know, Christianities, Christianity, you know, you know, tell you that, you know, you have to believe, but others say that you have to behave. So it's all this broad definitions of Christianity. And maybe your experience of growing up in certain brands of Christianity informed you that your brand was the true brand. And even though you sort of have a sense here that, you know, I'm a, maybe a little bit of a different brand, but you can tolerate it a little bit. But in, in the back of your mind, you're like, I wish that he was my brand. You know, I wish that he was my thing. Listen, I understand. But listen, the point is, is that there's so many different versions of it. Now, you have to put my, yourself in my shoes for a minute. As a preacher, there are certain things that really annoy me when it comes to other preachers. I really get annoyed. If you want to see me angry, watch me watch a televangelist on TV. I really get because here's, here's what you oftentimes will see on TV. These preachers will be on TV, you know, and they'll say things like, if you give to my ministry, then God is going to return back to you, you know, four times that of which you give to this ministry. I, I don't know where that's biblical. It's, it's called the prosperity gospel, and I don't see where that's biblical. And that really aggravates me. It really annoys me. They th say things like, if you just had a certain amount of faith, if you just had a certain amount of, you know, belief and trust in God that your life is going to be, you know, calamity free, you're not going to have any problems and you're going to be able to avoid all the hardships of your life. Boy, that ticks me off. You know what else makes me mad? I'm just going to kind of push, I'm pushing the buttons here now. 
You know what else that makes me mad when you're at a, like a game and you go to a, a, a game or you're, you're go to, usually it's, you know, it's at a game, I, you know, and so you're at a game where you're a tire game or a, uh, you, you know, whatever, and you, you have these guys with their microphones and their speakers and let me just, let me just pause here for a second. Sometimes what you can say is right, but how you go about it is all wrong. You hear me? Sometimes what you, can say, what you say might be right or true, but how you go about it is all wrong. And you know what irritates me was when I'm at a game, and I was at a game with somebody one time, and there was this guy, and he was, you know, you're gonna, if you don't repent, you're gonna go to hell. If you don't trust in Jesus, you know, you're gonna, if you die, you're gonna go to hell, and this and that, and this and that. And I'm telling you, I remember this guy going, isn't that what you do? I said, man, I said, I wait for people to come to me, and then I yell at them. I just, I, I, again, some of these things, like, I, we, there's so many different approaches, isn't there? There's so many different ways. There's so many different views. And what is it? And, and even in the Bible, like I said, there's, they didn't call themselves Christian. They call themselves something much different than that. They, as a matter of fact, something that was something more s- simple and yet, yet more challenging, more, more you know, convicting. It's something that, 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 that caused them to, to, to make a decision on, on things. So in one of those examples in the, in the scripture, it's in Acts chapter number 11. One of those examples of when they were called Christians, Acts chapter number 11 says this. Now, let me just sort of set the scene. Acts 11, at, at this time, Stephen was m- martyred. Um, as a result of Stephen's martyr, the, the church uh, was, was continually being persecuted and in Jerusalem, and Christians were now forced out of Jerusalem. And they were forced out into different surrounding areas and cities and regions. Some of those were Gentile cities. This here is a Gentile city that we're going to look at. And these Christians were pushed out into these cities. And they, and they began sharing the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. That things like, you know, he died for your sins. He was buried, but we, he beat death and we saw him. That was their message. We, we saw him alive. You know, and so these cities around Jerusalem were, were now putting their faith in Jesus. They're putting their faith in Jesus. And then this, so, so Jerusalem sends uh, to one of these cities, Antioch sends in one of their best guys. His name was Barnabas. So Barnabas goes and it says in the, verse 23, then when he, I should point this way, then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. Verse 24. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. So this Barnabas is there, and he's doing the work of God, seeing the grace of God, you know, watching God. You know, you know, people were coming to faith in, in Jesus as a result of that. And so he needed help. And so it says in verse 25 that he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. Verse 26. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. 
The first time they were referred to was, was in Antioch and they were referred to as Christians, a derogatory term. It was a insult on them. And so that's in Antioch, that's when they were first referred to that. But it's interesting though, look what it, look what it says. It says that they were, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. That they called themselves not Christian, they called themselves disciples. Disciples. Now, there's some other verses just to prove this. Look, look what it says in Acts chapter number six, verse seven. Acts six, verse seven. And the word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase, increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Look at it says in Acts chapter number nine. In verse 26, it says, And when he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples. This is talking about Saul. He was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. Acts 9.36, women were disciples. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha which translates Greek and is called Dorcas. This woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. Men and women were called disciples. Jews and Gentiles were called, were, were called themselves, I should say, called themselves disciples. People called them Christians as a derogatory term, derogatory term, meathead, geek, redneck. When they weren't being derogatory, they were referred to as the way. There was a certain way about them. But what they referred to themselves as, they referred to themselves as disciples. What, is this, what does the disciple mean? What is it, what is the, how do we define that? Well, a disciple is a learner, a pupil, a student, an apprentice, a follower of a master. That's what a disciple is. That's how you would define a disciple. And so they would call themselves and call each other disciples with the understanding of what that meant. They were learners. They were a pupil, student, apprentice, a follower of a master. Their master was Jesus. They were Jesus followers. He was their master. They were learners of Jesus. They were students of Jesus. They were apprentices of Jesus. He was their master. And so with Anything that they had about life, whatever direction, whatever intention that they wanted to go in, they always asked their master or they wanted to read what their master said they should do in every issue of their life. And whatever master Jesus says, they did. Whatever it was, their answer was always yes. Whatever Jesus said you should do, the answer for a disciple was, yes, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to say. That's the way, direction I'm going to go in. That's how I'm going to respond. That's how I'm going to treat my spouse. That's how I'm going to react to my kids. That's how I'm going to employ, you know, treat my employees. That's how I'm going to run my business. That's how I'm going to forgive others. In the way that my master Jesus says I should, that's what I'm going to do because I'm a disciple. You can call me Christian. You can even say that I'm a part of the way, but what I am and what we refer to each other is a disciple. That's what they 
called themselves. Now, listen, listen, listen. I'm not advocating that we change what we refer to. Like, I'm not saying that when somebody says, are you a Christian? No, 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 I'm not a Christian. I'm a disciple, you know? Like, that's not what I'm advocating. What I am advocating is a mindset change. What I am advocating is because of how muddy the waters are, are and how blurry the lines are in under the umbrella of Christianity and the different points of view of those who call themselves Christians. Those lists of things were not made up things. People who call themselves Christians believe those things. You know that? It wasn't made up. It, but listen, the Bible says what God is saying in his word is this. This is the way that they described themselves. They described themselves as a disciple. And a disciple is a lot more clear. A disciple, there's a line that is drawn that is clear. A disciple, the waters are clear. Whatever my master says, I do. Whatever the master wants me to go, I go. Whatever he has for me to learn, I will do. I'm gonna remain a student because he's my leader. And whatever he has, I'm gonna follow. You with me? Jesus gives them what a disciple should look like. This is what, how we should act, how, what we should look like. This is what Jesus describes as the thing, the thing that identifies somebody as a disciple and Jesus as their master. Here's what he says in John 13. Now, no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Take that down for a second, take it down. You need to know the context first. You need to know the context. John 13 is coming down to the end of Jesus's life. This is at the end of what he's going to endure. Now, he did something that I don't know if I could do or you could do. Jesus knowingly, knowingly walked into a city where he knew he was gonna die. Jesus walked into, not away from, which you and I are good at, but to walk into something that he knew was gonna be excruciating pain and agony. Jesus walked into this city knowing that he was gonna be betrayed by a friend, denied by a friend, arrested, brought into custody, falsely accused, scourged, beaten, spit on, crown of thorns on his head, carry a Roman cross to Calvary, lay himself down on that cross, hands wide open, nails driven through his hands, nails driven through his feet, hung up on a cross to suffocate to death, stabbed in the side with a spear. That's not weak. You hear me? And maybe this is to the men in the room because this is gonna sound 
weak. This is going to sound, oh, I'm a man. I don't know about I can do. I don't know about this for me. I don't know. Listen, this was a man's man. If you want to know a model of what a man's man looks like, you follow and you look at Jesus always. He walked into that. He stepped into that knowingly. Here's what he says. Verse 33. Little children, I am with you a little while longer, but you will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. But a new commandment I give to you. A new commandment I give to you. That word, that, that word new, new commandment, is, means different. It means unique. It means everything else that you've heard, other commandments, all 611 or 613 commandments, this is, this is different than that one. This is different than love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. He says, this is an, a different commandment. You failed at 613, you failed at 10, you failed at two, and now I'm just gonna give you one. I'm just gonna give you one. One new commandment I give to you, and here's what he says, that you love one another, even if I have loved you, that you also love one another. He says, this is, this is what I want. This is the new commandment. This is the new approach. This is the one thing that you need to learn to get right, that a new commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. In other words, Matthew, you know what I'm talking about, Matthew, right? Matthew, you know, when you were sitting at the tax collector's booth, you completely betrayed your people. You, were, you, were, you walked away from your, your nation. You were, you were cheating. You were lying. You were, you were taken from people. You guys know, no, kids are not in here. Matthew, <laughs> I do Matthew and Awana, and none of them are in here. And so Matthew's like, yeah, yeah, I remember, I remember. And you remember what I said to you, Matthew? Remember when I walked up to the table? I said, hey, Matthew, I knew everything about you. I knew that you were a liar. I knew that you were a cheat. I know, I know that you took advantage of people. I know that you walked away from your people. But what did I say to you, Matthew? You said, hey, I, you said I could come and hang out with you. You said I can come and follow you. That's right. That's right. Hey, Nathaniel, Nathaniel, remember when we first met? Boy, before you met me, you told your brother that, you know, that your brother was telling you that you found, you know, the, the, the Christ, the, the Messiah, the, the Son of God, that you found me. And you remember what you said to your brother? You said, what good comes out of Nazareth? You completely, Nathaniel, you completely dissed my family. But what did I say to you? Come and follow me. The same way, he says, I want you to understand something. In the same way that I loved you, I want you to love one another. In the same way that I loved you, I want you to love one another. Now that word love, you know this, you know this, you've been in church long enough, you've been a Christian long enough to know what love means. That love means agape love, right? Agape love. That love is unconditional love. That love is no strings attached kind of love. That love is, you know what, no matter what you do to me, I'm not going to store up resentment. I'm not going to store up bitterness. I'm just going to love you regardless. That love is, there's no means to the end. That means, here's what that means. That means Jesus in his time on earth loved 
people unconditionally. He showed forgiveness, grace, kindness, compassion unconditionally. And what Jesus got in return was they crucified him. But it didn't stop Jesus from still loving them. That love is sacrificial. That agape love is selfless. And he says, in the same way that I sacrificially loved you, in the same way that I loved you selflessly, in the same way that I gave love to you and not expecting to get love in return, I want you to love one another in that same way. This is a new commandment. You may not get love back, but that doesn't change the fact that you should love one another instead. Just because they're not like you, just because they may not like you, just because they didn't look different than you, you and I are called to love. And Jesus says, by this, look, verse 35, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. You know why there was a way about them? You know why that the church, think about this for a second, think about this. You know why the church was persecuted? Rome was the capital, think about it. Rome was the capital of the persecution of, of Christians. It was the it was the capital. It was where Christians stayed clear of because if you were anywhere around Rome, you, there was a good chance that you were going to be beheaded or crucified or fed to wild beasts. But then some few hundred years later, it's now the Christian capital of the world. How did that happen? It's because that Christians are valiant warriors and they, 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 they decided enough is enough. And they had some sort of, you know, brave heart speech and, you know, and, and on their, their horse going back, you know, I don't know, you know, William Wallace kind of a speech and with their sword and their spear and say, We're, we've had enough. We're going to fight. We're going to win. And no, no, no. You know what they did? They put their sword down and they put their shield down and they just, are you ready for this? Loved unconditionally. And you know what the, the, the communities, you know what they saw? They peered into the disciples' communities, the, the followers of Jesus' communities. They peered in, they got close enough, and those communities went to those people and they got close enough to say, Wow, there's a way about them that is different than the way that I go about life and I want that way because their way is a love that is unconditional and sacrificial and selfless and they're not looking for something in return for it. They just love. They just love. By this, People will know, people will know that you're a disciple. John, um, who wrote John 13, 
Oh, by the way, also wrote John 3.16. Anybody know that verse? Anybody know that verse? Wrote John 3.16. John wrote this. John wrote this in, in, in 1 John. He also wrote 1 John, 2, 3 John. I know, clever Bible. These are clever names, aren't they? <laughs> beloved, he's talking to us. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. You know that unconditional agape love? That's not something that you and I can manufacture. It's not something that you, can, you and I can muster up. That love is from God. That love comes from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Then he goes on and says, the one who does not love does not know God. Like, this is cut and dry. This is clear as day. And, you know, you could say, well, you know, man, my former pastor, you know, he didn't really do a great job at loving, but he was a good preacher, but he, he knows God. And John would say, no, I don't think he does. Boy, I knew, I, knew a guy, I knew a guy that really knew the Bible and man knew everything about the Bible, you know, and he would just, all he would want to do is just lecture you with the Bible and tell you and teach you different words of Greek and Hebrew and all this and that. I mean, he knew so much about the Bible. He didn't really do a good job at loving people, but he had to have known God. And you know what John would say? No, mm -mm. no, no, he didn't know God. He didn't know God at all. And John, think about you. Got to think. You got to think of that context. You guys, you guys look into this. You, you, you never mind. Okay, <laughs> you guys are gonna love this. John, John, he was like, he was the only one to to what they think he was the only one to die in a natural death of the disciples. But isn't that like the worst? Like he endured, he had, to, he had to hear about his buddies who he spent time with, following Jesus with. He had to hear about how they died. He had to hear about how Peter was crucified upside down. He had to hear about how Paul was brought out of, from being under house arrest and taken out into a field and had his head decapitated. He had to hear about those things. Oh, but John wasn't, you know, excluded from, you know, the, the, the persecution. John was thrown into a bowl or a vat of boiling oil and somehow survived it. Legend tell, history tells us, non, let me say that that way, non-biblical history, non-historians, Roman historians, sorry, Roman historians wrote of how John survived that and the whole city put their faith in Jesus. They got so tired of trying to kill John and they couldn't that they just shipped him out to an island called Patmos. They just go on cut rock out there. And that's where he spent the rest of his life. Now, this is so important for us. I, I hope you're hearing this. What a difficult life. Are you with me about John? Difficult life. For God, then he writes this. Come on, this is important. For God is love. What? 
After all that you saw and after all you experienced and after all that you witnessed and all you were been a part of, John, this is what you're gonna write. God is love. Yeah. Here's why. By this, the love of God was manifested in us that God sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. Verse 10, and this is love. Let me tell you why God is love. Let me show you why God is love. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to to be the propitiation for our sins. I love that. He says, God loved us and it was for our sins that when God sent his son to pay the, the sin debt for us, that it was for us. It was for our sins. It was for the people that you work with. It was for the people that you go to school with. It was for the people that you do life with. It was for them. It was for us. It was for our The people that you may not get along with, it was for them. The people that you may not see eye to eye with, it was for them. The people that you may have a hard time forgiving, it was for them. And God is love because God is the one who gave his self for us. And so if you ever question, if you ever question if God loves you, because of your circumstances, because of your situation, what you and I are to do is think about what God has already done for us, for our sins. And that should inform you that God is love. He says, beloved Beloved, verse 11, still beloved, talking to you, me. If God so loved us, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. What he means by that is this. I owe it to God to love you unconditionally. Look at me. I owe it to God to love you. You owe it to God to love each other. You owe it to God to forgive. You owe it to God to have compassion. You owe it to God to let go go of resentment. You owe it to God to let go of bitterness. You owe it to God to say, you know what? You don't deserve it. You don't deserve my love, but I'm gonna give it to you anyways. You owe it to God to love one another. Come on, church. Our leverage, our leverage Because the view of Christianity, the view of Christianity to non-Christians is we're hypocritical, we're divisive, we're quarrelsome, we're homophobic, we're self-righteous. I mean, these these are what people think about us. This is the view of non-Christians to Christians. 
But if we just said, you know what, I'm going to love, I'm going to love, no matter what, no matter if, if I agree or don't agree, whether I like it or don't like it, whether we see eye to eye or don't see eye to eye, we're going to love in an agape kind of love. It's a God love. It only comes, it only comes from God. You can't manufacture it on your own. You can't muster it up yourself. It only comes from God. And you ought to, and I ought to, love one another. Because this is, this is the thing that the world will peer into, that the world will look into and go, wait a minute, there's a way about them. And my view of Christianity or my conception or preconceived ideas of Christianity, they're proving otherwise. Because we're not Christians. Listen, don't be a Christian. Boy, you didn't think you'd hear that today, did you? Be a disciple. Be a disciple of Master Jesus. When I tell my girls to clean the room, they better clean their room. When I tell my boys to clean their room, they better clean their room. You know what I don't want to hear? I don't want to hear my girls say or my boys say, you know, Dad, we, and before we clean our room, we're going to get together uh, with, some, with some groups of us and we're going to get together as a, in a circle and we're going to just talk about what you asked me to do with my room. I, I don't, I don't want to hear that. Do you want to hear that as a parent? You want to hear that your kids just had a group of friends over and so you got around in a circle and you just wanted to talk about the, the, the demand that I gave of clean your room. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear them say, hey, you know, Dad, I was thinking about that when you said clean your room. I was thinking about that word clean and room. And we really just broke down those words clean. You know, what does clean really mean? Your room, what does that really mean? So we really just broke down the Greek and the Hebrew of those words. You know what I want to know? Did you clean your room? I don't care if you get into a circle and talk about it. I don't want to know what the words clean and room mean. I just want to know, did you clean your room? Because I commanded that your room be clean. I don't need to know anything else other than, is it clean? <laughs> Jesus is going, a new command. Go love. Love one another. Unconditional, sacrificial, selfless, no strings attached, no means to an end. Go love. He doesn't want us to get together and go, let's talk about, let's talk about what that means, really. Let's get a, let's get a Bible study together, you know, let's get into circles, you know, and talk about what it means to love one another. Listen, quit talking about it. He doesn't want to know. He doesn't care. God already knows what the Greek is. He already knows. He came up with it. But he just gives you a command. He gives me a command and it says, go do it. I won't be happy with my kids until their room is cleaned. He's not going to be happy 
And we're not going to experience him until we go and we love one another. Love one another. Right? Thanks, Joy. Okay. That's good enough for me. All right. Let's pray. God, um, you set the example. You manifested this kind of love. You went far and above and beyond to demonstrate incredible love. You walked into a city knowing what would happen, knowing what you would have to endure, knowing what you would have to be, how you would be treated. It was all for the sake of us. It was all as a demonstration of your love for us. Therefore, we can say you are love. And in the way that you loved us, we ought to love one another. For at least the reasons for, because we owe you. And the way we try to, we'll never get there. The way that we attempt to, but we'll never get there, pay back the debt of what you have done for us, even though you don't require that is to just simply love each other without looking for something back. We just love. And by this, by this, people will know their master, their leader, their Lord is King Jesus. And I just pray as we begin this journey of maybe not being a Christian, but considering being a disciple and following you. And that whatever you say, our answer is always yes, yes, yes. Thank you for this time together. Be with each one. Keep them safe, heading home. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, everybody.